Thank you for calling Gaywire. Your call is very important to us. Press 1 for fourth wave feminism. Press 2 for a strangely in-depth discussion about where the worms have gone. Press 3 for... You have chosen option 3. Please stay on the line. Thank you for choosing option three. You've reached Gaywire, where everything's at least a little bit queer. I'm your host, Artemis, and my pronouns are she, her, and I'm joined by... Hello, everyone. My name is Chenille, and my pronouns are he, him. You are listening to Gaywire on CGSR 88.5 FM. On today's episode, we we listened to an interview with Liv McRobbie, a transgender multidisciplinary artist who recently released their new album, Lilith. Liv talked with our reporter, Terrence, about making music and the effect that gender dysphoria can have on the creative process. Let's hop right in. My name is Liv McRobbie, and my pronouns are she, they. So, um, how long have you been making music? I guess it's 10 years now, which is wild. (laughs) Um, I think I started taking drum lessons in grade five, but I started making music in grade six. Um, Somebody, um, my one friend, showed me dead mouse our, our grade six teacher had a ghetto blaster in the in the classroom so he hooked up his psp and played me dead mouse <laughs> but um and that's actually funny because that's how i started making music was on a psp it was some game called beaterator made by the people who made gta and timbaland so and then 10 years later here we are cool so um who would you say are your musical influences? I see you have a Daft Punk poster behind you. Yeah, definitely. Definitely Daft Punk. Hmm, that's a tough question. Uh, I'd say probably also like Flying Lotus, Clams Casino. I think I just really like, at least at this point, I'm, I'm taking a lot more inspiration from like visual mediums as well. Um, I really have been getting super into like art and movies and stuff like that and just like the way that they're put together visually is really striking for me so I also listen to a lot of soundtracks and stuff um stuff like Studio Ghibli is 
so good. All this, all the soundtracks for those are amazing. I think my favorite has to be probably like Castle in the Sky. But could you elaborate a little bit more about how you're sort of exploring visual art? Um, I, I think it kind of started with me like doodling just because of stress, um, which ended up being like these really weird abstract drawings and stuff like that. And then it kind of got into me looking for more visual artists. So uh, one artist that really inspired me to bring it back to the Flying Lotus connection is uh, Shintaro Kago. I might be mispronouncing that terribly. <laughs> because uh, he did the artwork for a, a Flying Lotus album, uh, You're Dead. Um, and it's just really interesting, visceral kind of body horror stuff. Um, uh, one that a lot of people would probably also say would be like Jean-Michel Basquiat. Um, and just like a lot of, of, of neo-expressionist art and, and art from New York in the, the late 70s, early 80s. Um, I don't know. It's just, I like finding new stuff. I think that's a big thing for me is finding new music, finding new art. I always have favorites that I return to, but I think it's that pursuit of something new that, that makes things interesting for me. Um, yeah. Yeah. So then speaking of new, um, you recently released an album. Um, so first off, would you take a gander at describing your sound? I have no idea. Um, I think it's funny. I think half of this album, which was made like really shortly before I realized I was trans, has that sound of, of dysphoria to me. Like, like everything is kind of reaching that point. It's building up and, and just... Yeah, I don't know how to describe my sound. It's such a weird combination of a whole bunch of different things. And I just really like, I guess, making it sound like a visual is, is I think why I draw like inspiration from visual art is that I, I almost see it in my head. So sometimes I'm looking for a certain sound and I'll think, okay, I want this to sound like it's being like pressed against rubber or you're putting like saran wrap over a speaker or something like that like I want it to have this texture something like that but I don't know if I really even have a specific sound people tell me I do but I can't hear it myself um I I've been listening to your album and it's called Lilith um by the way we should establish that at some point um okay yeah <laughs> um and I, I've listened to it twice. Um, once was during a midnight dog walk and the other was um, while I was working on an essay for my post-colonial theory class. And if Ooh. I were to describe the sound, I'd say that it's a good soundtrack for both midnight dog walks and essays for post-colonial theories. Um, well, thank you. <laughs> That's exactly what I was hoping for. Well, first of all, that's really cool. And also thank you for listening to it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess the thing for me is I, I, especially in the past few years have really just made music, the music that I wanted to hear. So I would listen to something else and, and, uh, and think, 
I want something similar to this, but maybe with this twist to it or something like that. And it kind of just assembles itself in my head. I, and I just go and do it. So then when I'm listening to it later, I, I don't know, it, it feels so much like an, an extension of myself that I, I kind of lose any other perspective of it. Yeah, I don't really even know how to answer that. <laughs> I have a weird view on it. Why, why did you name your album Lilith? So the album is called Lilith because uh, some, I was talking to somebody a few weeks ago after a movie and they were explaining to me the story of Lilith um, as Adam's first wife uh, in the Bible. And basically the whole deal was that Adam wanted her to be like subservient to him and all this stuff. And she didn't want that. So then Adam went, okay, God, give me a new wife. And then basically she dipped. And I know that Lilith is a big thing in Satanism. That wasn't necessarily the context, but I just liked the idea of, I'm not going to give into this idea of, of who you want me to be. Um, and I felt that really reflected the journey I had been on making it since it kind of started right before I realized I was trans and came out and then finished somewhere around, I would say, May. So it was kind of like the journey of the first year of my transition. And it felt like a, a separation of, of myself from who I thought I was supposed to be. And it's also, uh, it's also a Neon Genesis Evangelion reference. <laughs> so. Um, would, you, would you mind talking a bit more about how the transition timeline plays in with the music creation process? It's interesting. It definitely, it's tough because I want to say it, it, that my sound kind of started shifting as I transitioned, but it, it's always kind of been in a, a, a position where from this like grouping of months to the next I, I might have a totally different uh, style within my style if that makes sense so like one one for a few months I'll be making dance music and then I'll be making funk music and then I'll be making <clears throat> like weird experimental whatever and then I'll be making trap music so it I don't know exactly how it's related to that. And the whole thing is out of order uh, from when I made it, but it, I guess it feels like a development because it's like the, this push and pull um, of, of softer, lighter, poppier thing, like tracks, uh, softer, lighter, poppier tracks, and then like really heavy, darker tracks. I, I find that it's, it's not always super linear the way that transness manifest itself in your art um and that like but you can tell that it's it's there um and sometimes it's just in 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 the way that you feel when you're creating the art um fully yeah because i i, I agree because dysphoria is a very prominent trans experience um and often a uh source of inspiration for for art i if oh I fully agree and honestly I've been thinking about it a lot in the past year too is is how dysphoria has has affected my art and how both before I realized and after um 
because even before there's a lot of pain that you kind of push inwards and it and it definitely I don't know the it, it your altered perspective and that that constant feeling underneath that noise that goes on uh before you realize is yeah I don't know I I feel like that's why so many queer artists and especially trans artists I find have such interesting strange sounds because it's just you kind of see things from a different viewpoint than other people even when you don't realize it yeah yeah absolutely this is kind of a, a different direction um but how how are you doing with the careful dance that creators have to do under capitalism uh where you're balancing genuine storytelling with making a living off of your art have you considered that i have i've considered that a lot and and honestly at this point like i don't know i i think i've just realized that if i am not fully myself at all times um particularly with my art i'm not going to stand out i'm not going to make it any further than where i was at um and that is probably going to play both to my benefit and to um i've lost the other word i've lost the opposite yeah i don't know i guess i i just figure there's no point in playing playing along too much just you just have to be yourself when you're making your art otherwise you're just giving into somebody else's idea of what you should be and i i <laughs> have done that for 21 years i'm done with that absolutely um so <laughs> could you take me through your sort of like songwriting slash creation process in terms of like technically what's going on um emotionally what's going on spiritually what's going on oh man that's a tough question to answer um because it's different every time and i i i like it that way i like going in and not knowing what what to expect sometimes i have an idea when i'm going in and i'm and maybe it's inspired by a day i had so maybe i had a bad day and i'm feeling really gross and i'm feeling really dysphoric and so then i go and i make something really <laughs> dysphoric really aggressive or or just kind of like not necessarily harsh but just strange and weird because that's how i feel and then other times it's just like i sit down and i'm thinking okay well how, how am i going to assemble this what do i want to start with and so then i'll just like take a start looking through what i have in my library and start just taking small pieces and putting them on the thing and then then i start arranging things but it's never really a, a solid uh, thing. Same thing with like making visual art for me is just like I, I kind of discover it as I'm doing it, if that makes sense. Is there a particularly memorable creation experience that you've had recently? Um, not necessarily with music. I was just feeling really dysphoric the other day and started doing kind of a series of dysphoria drawings um, where it's just kind of like, these weird scribbles and stuff over top of parts of my body that I hate um, or like missing limbs and stuff and just repeated phrases that that will go through my head um, when I'm feeling really dysphoric 
Um, so like something is missing or change me, make it go away, make it stop, like stuff like that. Um, again, just re I'm really inspired by, by neo-expressionist stuff and especially pieces that utilize like the written word in terms of visual art, um, which can be seen a lot in artists like Basquiat to bring up the, the main name in that movement for a lot of people. Yeah, um, do you wanna elaborate on that at all? I forgot what I said. <laughs> You're talking about neo-expressionism. Oh yeah, no, I probably shouldn't be the person to talk about that. I don't know too much about it, but I've been diving into it recently and I just find it really fascinating. How do you feel about it? I like it. I, I think it's a very visceral take uh, on classical art ideas. Um, and I, I think that's a word that I really like to use and to express with with my art is is I want something to be visceral. I want you to just feel it at your core level, which I think is why it's hard to describe my process because that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm going, okay, like, am I feeling this? What is driving me to this sound? And if it doesn't work, then I'm just gonna warp it until it sounds like it should kind of thing. Um, and I like that. And I like too, there's a lot of like painting over things that you did like early on in the painting. So you paint over it and paint something new on top of that and then paint over that again and paint something new on top of that. And there may be a small tiny piece left of that original thing. And, I, and that piece sticks out the most. And then the rest of it has a whole new something on top of that. And again, I, I feel like I apply that to my music a lot is just like I take one small sound and then maybe I'll put something over top of it that kind of blends and then I'll put something over top of that so, so that at a certain point you're only really hearing a small part of that first sound, but it really pops. And then there's all the other stuff on top of it that that kind of surrounds it. Yeah. No, you're you. Yeah, no, that's that's a really interesting way of explaining it. I like it. <laughs> now, this is just based off of a recent Instagram post where you announced that your album was out. You said that there was a, also you were having a rough day. Um, yeah, it was it was uh, it was the day before that was a rough day. It was which the, the, the album release date uh, was actually my anniversary my one year on hormones um so that was cool but then that day I woke up and just felt so unbelievably dysphoric it was I was like I can't I'm not I'm not going on Instagram today <laughs> so um and then also it really sucked because when it dropped I like checking to make sure it is everywhere and then all of a sudden I'm looking at iTunes and I'm like oh it's not it's not here and then I search up my dead name and there it is so still fixing, still working on fixing that. Yeah, it's, um, it's very unfortunate uh, that you've been dead named. Um, and it's sadly a very quintessential trans experience. Um, so definitely yeah. feel, feel that one. <laughs> you get to- That actually is really, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say you get to check that one off your trans bingo card. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, it's, it's honestly kind of funny because uh, I came out 
August of last year. And <laughs> that was pretty much immediately after I had dropped two EPs under my dead name. <laughs> Very convenient timing for that realization. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah. I, I was wondering that so feelings of dysphoria are definitely very prominent in in a lot of your your art um does the art help alleviate those those feelings um it depends sometimes yes uh sometimes maybe it's more in the re-experiencing of it that it helps with those feelings and sometimes it's just nice to get it out like it's i mean even if it doesn't help it's just nice to be like okay that's what I've been thinking. It's there now. And now I can stop. Like, I don't know, it, it maybe it relieves some sort of tension for me instead of necessarily the dysphoria. I still feel like shit, but it's less of like uh, this rumination, these repeating phrases, this noise, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so like a, like a sense of catharsis. Yeah, almost. Yeah. It's hard to describe especially because yeah. uh, <laughs> it's like it's such an abstract feeling like dysphoria itself can be different at, at any given moment uh like sometimes it may just be one thing or maybe it's just like oh gosh I completely lost my train of thought but yeah I, I don't know I feel like dysphoria is so different from moment to moment that it, it can be kind of hard to to pinpoint yeah absolutely if there's a, a better feeling and and yeah yeah it's it's hard to tell when it's gone away or if you've just stopped paying attention to it or yeah, yeah or if something else Which is was, going on i guess on. that's the yeah exactly and i feel like the if it's just gone away or, or if you stop paying attention to it is is such a vibe especially for for pre-realization it's like you have these really strong moments of like, I want to be the opposite gender. And then, and then in a moment where you're content or just not thinking about it, you're like, you know what? I'm fine. I'm fine. I'll just leave that other thought alone. We'll just not think about that. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, so going back to your music and your art in general, what, sort of plans or hopes do you have going forwards? Um, I want to work with a lot more artists. I want to work with with a lot more queer artists, but just artists in general. Um, and I just want to do keep doing new stuff. I want to do everything. I want to do jazz and pop music and funk music. And and I want to keep mixing them together because because that's like what they say are there. There's no new ideas, but I like the idea of there's no new ideas. There's just new combinations of old ideas um, is kind of how I view it. You have so, any final thoughts that you'd yeah. like to share? Now that you've asked the question, my brain has gone blank <laughs> every single time. <laughs> it's like whenever somebody asks me of, of just if I have anything miscellaneous to contribute, I'm like, I did. I lost it. <laughs> So anytime my grandma asks me what I want for Christmas. Oh gosh, yeah. I'll tell you. Yeah, I feel that. <laughs> yeah, well then how about some social media and where can we find your music? Oh, uh well I guess my you can find me on most social media, at least Twitter and, and Instagram at Liv McRobbie. Those are the only two I use. Really, it's mostly Instagram. Um 
and my music will be in the bio in my instagram bio um but it's also if, if you search up live mcrobby on anything except apple <laughs> you'll find my music so yeah well apple's a work in progress i i don't i i almost yeah i wanna i wanna be like yeah search it up everywhere um and but i also and i also want to promote to like people who are on apple but at the same time i don't want to dead name myself <laughs> absolutely yeah no that's so that's completely understandable um and it's super unfortunate that you have to make that decision in the first place um all right well thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me tonight live about your music and art and dysphoria i know that we've been kind of pessimistic um, but sometimes that's, that's what it's like to be trans. And, um, so at this point, just to like counteract it, um, if you are trans and you're listening, please experience some trans joy because that is my favorite form of resistance. Hell yeah. And trans joy for the yeah. one. Uh, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for having me. We'll be hearing. Yeah. And we'll be hearing some of Liv's music right after this. So yeah. That was Liv McRobbie talking about their creative process in music and the effects that dysphoria has on that. You can check out their Instagram at liv.mcrobby and be sure to check out her new album Lilith on SoundCloud, Bandcamp, Spotify, or wherever you get your music from. Now for a segment from our very own Chanel. Chanel, what can you tell me about your segment? The upcoming segment is Homotextuals, where I review and talk about books, which are, of course, queer. Uh, these books are usually YA, but they will range anywhere from how spicy they are. Thank you for everyone who listens to Book Talk. Um, and how I, I will give trigger warnings if they're not, if they're maybe not something you're interested in. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Oh, and I will include how you can reach out to me if you think there are some books you want me to talk about on homotextuals. Well, let's give it a listen then. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Homotextuals. I'm your magical host, Chenille Renesinga. As usual, we are covering books of the LGBTQ variety. As usual, disclaimers are as follows. On this program, the word queer will sometimes be used to refer to the LGBTQ community in general. I am aware that this is a slur that is still in the process of being reclaimed and that not all people agree with it. I am also a single person with experiences that do not apply to everyone. 
Thus, I can only discuss books in a context that I'm familiar with, so please keep that in mind. With that out of the way, let's turn the page. First is Jay's Gay Agenda by Jason June. Jay Collier knows statistics, which is why it irks him to no end that he is a truly tragic statistical anomaly, the only gay teen in his small Washington town. Jay bides his time for the day he can live out his dreams, his very own gay agenda. Things are looking up when his mom gets a job in Seattle and the family packs up for the big city. Suddenly, he can be part of the big gay world he's always dreamed of. This book is probably one I wish I could have read as a teen. While I find Jay shenanigans to be way over the top, I think that's just how teens be. Wow, I feel old. This is a YA romance with a character or characters who are gay. Possible trigger warnings include homophobia and mental health issues. Next we have The Extraordinaries by T.J. Clune. In a world of superheroes and supervillains, one boy loves to write fanfiction about them. Nick Bell has had a major crush on Extraordinary Shadowstar for many years, and has written pages of fanfiction about him. After a chance encounter with the superhero, Nick makes a decision. He is going to become an Extraordinary. Consequences, protests from friends and family alike, an actual possibility be damned. I love this book. Not to be a reading cliche, but I could not put it down. The characters were funny and well-rounded, and Nick by far is the funniest person in this whole book. Caution to readers, the characters are not the only ones that Nick exasperates with his stubbornness. You have been warned. This is a YA sci-fi fantasy romance with a character or characters that are gay and lesbian, as well as hinted to be neurodivergent. Trigger warnings include family death and mental health issues. From there, we move on to Only Mostly Devastated by Sophie Gonzalez. Ollie thinks he's found his prince. Will is cute, fun, and sweet. What more could he ask for? Probably to return his texts. When the summer ends, Will cuts off all contact as Ollie sulks about the boy he met and lost that summer. A family emergency has him moving to the other side of the country. Things look a little bleak until a certain boy turns up that Ollie recognizes, except he actually doesn't recognize this Will, a bro jock who plays with Ollie's feelings. Well, obviously Ollie is emotionally mature enough to stay away from all that drama. Yeah, I didn't think so either. I hope that they ever make this book into a movie. I hope it's a musical. This is a YA romance that contains a character or characters that are gay. Trigger warnings include underage drinking and family death. Finally, we have Leah on the Offbeat by Becky Albertalli. In one of the sequels to Simon vs. the Homo Sapiens Agenda that gave us the movie Love, Simon, we meet Leah. Leah usually knows what she wants and what she doesn't want. She wants to play the drums in her band. She doesn't want to hang out with her mom's new boyfriend. She really wants to ignore the butterfly she gets around Abby Suso. Not only is Leah a funny, sarcastic, fandom-loving teen that I think many of us could relate to or love, we also get to see some of the characters we fell in love with in the first book. 
a lot of Leah's mental health struggles really hit close to home for me, and I hope, like me, many readers will find comfort in reading her point of view. This book contains a character or characters who are bisexual, gay, lesbian, and questioning. Trigger warnings include mental illness, biphobia, and underage drinking. And that brings us to the end of another Homotextuals. For those of you just joining us now, or taking notes, here is a list of books we have talked about today. Jay's Gay Agenda by Jason June. The Extraordinaries by T.J. Clune. Only Mostly Devastated by Sophie Gonzalez. And Leah on the Offbeat by Becky Albertalli. If you have an interest in reading any of these, I found all of these books as ebooks at the EPL. If you have some recommendations for the next homotextuals, please send them to gaywire at cgsr.com with homotextuals in the description. talking about some books for his segment, Homotextuals. And that is all the time we have for today. Gaywire is a production of CGSR 88.5 FM in so-called Edmonton on Treaty 6 territory. We acknowledge all the many First Nations, Métis, and Inuit whose footsteps have marked these lands for centuries, including, but not limited to, the Cree, Soto, Blackfoot, Métis, Dene, and Nakota Sioux. We recognize the colonialism is an ongoing and active violence and encourage you to reflect on your own relationship to colonialism and what accountability and growth look like for you and your communities. Give what you can and learn even more. Thank you to our guest, Liv McRobbie. Today's show was produced by Shane Giles, Joe Victor Krieger, Asha Linda, Terrence Adams, Chenille Ranasinga, Jean-Vivre Aslan, and myself, Artemis Peasley. Follow Gaywire on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you download podcasts. You can also find us online at gaywire.transistor.fm and on Facebook and Twitter at Gaywire or at Gaywire CGSR on Instagram and TikTok. Let us know what you think of the show, hit up the DM sometimes, or... If you'd rather be fancy, you can also email gaywire at CGSR, and I will personally get to your message. And you never know, you might just get to be a part of the show. Our artwork is done by Travis Erickson, original music by Doug Hoyer and Catherine Hiltz. Until next week, keep it breezy and... Please stay on the line.